Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Donna and I'm Carrie and we are Paranormal Chicks episode 273 and Carrie is getting better oh yeah a whole nother antibiotic and steroids later your girl is improving as y'all know my birthday was two months ago and Colby got me a facial for my birthday and so I not that kind of I almost said not your kind Donna and I just went and got it today and I am smooth as butter I walked up to dinner and Colby said oh you're glowing you really are I was like oh god so great who says that like mm-hmm. he's so wonderful like that's some shit you would tell me you know yeah I'm like god because again he's me yeah was that your first ever facial no i think it's my second i know i've had one but it was good i picked the one that's like i think i just picked wrong because it was like that place's general one so they're like what are your problem areas okay these are products you can use and like i didn't want to talk i don't want you to do any talking like mm. i just want you to just rub my face I think all of them would do talking, though, because they're going to try to upsell you some stuff. Yeah, I don't want to. Can I put that on my intake form? Like, (laughs) don't talk. I didn't do an intake form. But my skin does feel really good. Although, she did leave a lot of mask on me. Like, Colby was, like, picking it off my face at dinner. Yeah. And there's some in my hair. And it was on my shirt. (laughs) I was like... What happened in here? Yeah. And then there, that one where they put it over your eyes, I was laying there as it was dry and I was like, it's in my eyes. Oh my God, it's in my eyes. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm going to go blind. It's in my eyes. Oh my God. Like I started panicking. And then I was like, you can do this. You can do this. You can do this. <laughs> and then a couple of times I had to cough and it was when I had on this other mask thing that was like over my mouth. Oh, I can't do one over my mouth. And so I was like, I can't cough. Like I was like, Go God. Like, you know, yeah. I was like, hold it in, hold it in, hold it in. No, I got to have my mouth open. But it was good. And I'm very, very thankful for my birthday present. Yeah, that's a good one. Has Colby ever given you a facial? Yes. Okay, just wondering. You don't like it, do you? No. Okay, I didn't think so. <laughs> the look on your face right then. <laughs> Remember that time I told this on the podcast, but I talked Colby into using my jade roller on my face, I, which yeah. did not take much convincing because he's so nice. He's like, brr, brr. Like, doing it over my nose and stuff. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) A guy. Yes, like 1,000%. Keep doing that, but do it silently. Yeah, do that sound in your head. But it made me giggle, and it still felt cold and wonderful. (laughs) My rosacea. But yeah, of course, she like tried to sell me all the things, and I was like, not going to do it. (laughs) Not going to use it. Here's the difference between me and you. I bought all the shit. (laughs) No, I don't even know where to buy the shit. You bought me that facial. Yeah. Like, a, a different facial, but same place. And I came out and I had to pay maybe close to $100. Oh, no, ma'am. Mm-mm. Because I'm very cheap when it comes to stuff like that. Like, what I spend my money on is what I spend my money on. And that's just not one of those things. But that's something that you do spend mm-hmm. your money on and you don't on things that I do, you know? Yeah. Another thing, it's raining again here. So if you hear the thunder and stuff, it's the weather. So, you know, it's summertime now. Everybody's like getting tan, doing all the things, you know, getting sunburned. But it has reminded me of one of my pet peeves. Oh, God, what? When people are like, I got so sunburned. Look. And they're not sunburned at all. You're barely pink. Like, you're like, it hurts so bad to touch. And I'm like, 
It's the same. It's the equivalent of people like I'm so cold. Fill my hands, and their hands are like warmer than mine. Well, it's a sensation for them. Yeah, I just it annoys me so <laughs> badly when they're like, "Look at my sunburn," and like they pull their shirt down, and I'm like, "There's nothing there." Yeah, there's literally nothing there. Well, you're just a mean person. I I am. People get on my nerves sometimes. <laughs> a lot of times. But you've also been severely sunburned. Oh, my God. It was stupid. Yes. Yeah. Which is nothing to be proud of because I had learned <laughs> that for, like, every time you get sunburned in your life, your, like, chance of skin kits are, like, triples or something. I'm like, well, what happens if you've done it every single summer your whole life? Right. Multiple times. Like, this is terrible. This is not good. I'm to the age now where I, this is how old I am. One, I have a hat on all the time, but it's a visor. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like doubly old. Yeah. But uh, because I wear my hair in a bun on top of my head in like a messy bun. And I can't, if I have it in a regular hat under, everybody's like, I don't give a fuck about what kind of hat you wear. (laughs) But like, if I just wear like a regular baseball cap, it's like on my neck and I don't like it. I want it on top of my head. So I got to do a visor. Yeah. This is the kind of story that you could care less about. On anything else because it's, but it's my story. Like if you were telling the story, I'd be like, can we move on? Yeah, she really would. I know you. Does it annoy y'all when people are like, my hands are so cold or look at my sunburn or (laughs) no (laughs) there's somebody out there that's like yes (laughs) but people annoy you very easily me and Tiffany went to eat Sunday or something and I held open the door for like a guy and his son and I was like I hope y'all have a good one or something like that and she laughed and I was like I can't help it I I just talk to people and like yes I wish you all the best I think sometimes I just get so talked out at work. Like even during the facial, when she would say like, were y'all busy today or something? I'm just like, yeah, I just want to chill. I don't want to talk. All I do is talk all my life. You know, talk at work. We talk on the podcast, you know. Yeah. So sometimes I just want to be quiet, which is why I ride in my car in silence a lot. (laughs) Uh Uh-uh. If I don't have the radio on, on something, a podcast, music, that means my head is killing me. That means I'm in my happy place. <laughs> no, I can't do silent. Not always. Like I, and I get on kicks. Like right now I'm back on a podcast kick. So like I've been catching up on stuff I was behind on, you know? Yeah. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm over this, I'm over talking and I'll go back to silence. Yeah. But like we're outside more. So like I'm getting music that way. So I'm like, I don't really want it in the car either. Cause I'm like listening to it outside or whatever, you know? Yeah. And like sometimes when we're golfing, Kobe has this little phone holder that attaches to the golf cart and it says it takes a lot of balls to play golf like me. <laughs> And um, he could prop his phone up because he has like a golfing app that's like, you're this many yards away from the pin. Yeah. But like he'll put some music on too, like while we're playing. Y'all, have I talked about that Colby and I are watching Mayor of Kingstown? Yes. You were only like four episodes in. I'm still about that, but (laughs) 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 I may be six at this point. This shit is good. I just couldn't get really into it. That's what my friend Natalie said. She's like, I couldn't get into it. And I'm like, how? But I think it's only like two seasons. So maybe I'll catch up. Well, you know, I'm on the hunt for something like SVU because SVU has not been hitting it for me lately. So I need something like Criminal Minds, but Criminal Minds isn't on right now. You yeah. Know? So I just need something a little gritty, crimey. I don't know. Like, I just need something like that. Did you ever watch that show Chicago PD? Yep. So, like, I've watched a lot of this shit, so I'm like, yep, watch it, yep, watch it. I like the Chicago PD, but the main guy's, Voight is his name, his voice is so grovelly or whatever. Gravelly? Yeah. (laughs) You grovel on your knees. His voice is, like, gravelly, right? Gravelly. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Words. 
But it gets on my nerves a little bit sometimes because I'm just like, <clears throat> yes, God, you've been hanging out with me too long. Uh huh. My mom gets so mad at me because she'll be talking and I'll just go, <clears throat> and she'll be like, Carrie. I'm like, well, clear your throat. <laughs> God, I am a bitch. If y'all could see Donna's face. Well, you know who loves me in spite of my bitchiness? Patreoners. Ooh. So thank you so much, Emily S. from Texas, Shailene J. from Ohio, Hannah W. from North Carolina. And Jada D from Mississippi. All right. Thank y'all so much for joining Patreon. Hopefully y'all are enjoying all the extra bonus content that you're getting a week, including an entire extra episode. So if you are listening, you're like, damn, I am catching up on I don't want to be caught up. There is a plethora of shiz on the Patreon. So get on over there because there's lots of episodes. How do you do that? You go to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. Oh, another thing. Can I use y'all as Google real quick? Because Tiffany and I were talking and I don't even know how we got on the subject of bison versus buffalo. I know why it is because we randomly have bison and a camel or two camels and some zebras out in this pasture. But she said buffaloes are extinct. And I was like, no, they're not. She was like, yes, they are. So I was like, Google it because you know, me and you, we got to know the answer. And she Googled and basically it was like bison aren't extinct. And she's like, but I type buffalo. So she said, are bison and buffalo the same thing? And they said, they're not the same thing, but like sometimes they're lumped together. And she's like, okay, so are buffalo extinct? Like we're just cracking up. And she was like, is this one of those Mandela effects? Well, we got to Carrie's house and we're in the pool. She asked Carrie if buffaloes are extinct. Carrie says, yes. She asked Colby and Colby says, no. And I said, no. So like they both say, yes, we both say no. So do y'all know if buffalo are extinct? When you say our buffalo, it auto-populates our buffalo extinct, and it says nearly threatened. And then the very next one are buffalo and bison, the same thing. Buffalo and bison are distinct animals. I know, but they say they're lumped together because they're of some blah, blah, blah. It's I think it's where they're from. It says buffalo are native to Africa and Asia. Bison are found in North America and Europe. They're both Bonvide, whatever. Family. Literally, that's how Tiffany said it. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. But the two are not closely related. So they're like of the same family. Yeah. But they're different animals. Mm-hmm. Okay, sidebar, it says that what we call buffalo in North America are actually bison. We're just saying the wrong word. So, but what are buffalo then? On the different continent. They're not here. Okay, but are they they're, extinct? No, they're near. Maybe some uh, bison expert can tell us the difference. <laughs> Meanwhile, Carrie said they were extinct. I thought they were. Tiffany and I clearly took the same science class. (laughs) Well, before we get into Donna's story, we got to talk about Care Of. They're back. And what do they care of, you ask? Your health. Care Of is a subscription-based service that ships high-quality, personalized vitamins, supplements, powders to your door every single month. They're all about caring and convenience. Add that to the four C's we already like. (laughs) I think your C's are different than my C's, but that's okay because so are our vitamins. We need different things. And that's why it's amazing for a company like Care Of because they personalize it to your individual needs. How do they do that, you ask? Well, you take a short but in-depth quiz about yourself. What's your lifestyle? What's your health goals? And you're going to get a personalized doctor-backed recommendation. And even better, the quiz can be retaken at any time to switch up your packets so that it fits your lifestyle. So maybe you decide that you want to start taking prenatals or or maybe you're like, man, my hair has been looking really terrible. Let's add that in there. You know, whatever your needs are, just retake that quiz. 
because your daily vitamins come individually packaged for daily consumption. So she can just rip it open, take it whenever she's gonna do it. But me, I take a lot of medicine, so I open up the packages and dump them in my pill minder. But it's perfect for travel. So you can just take your three day, four day, whatever you need on the go with you. Even better, those packets are personalized with your name and stuff. So. I don't know. I just love that extra little touch. And it works for me because, you know, I've got one of those two-week pill box things. And so I don't have to take night medicine. So I fill up both sides because I'm lazy and I don't want to do it often. I love that the vitamins come in the packets because I take them at night so I can just have them right there and not have to fill up my thing. And like we said, they do have powders and one of their powders is melatonin and it helps you sleep. Amazing. Well, you know, I'm going to stay away from that because uh, that makes my eyes cross. See, we are different. We have different needs. If you want to figure out what your needs are and what's recommended, head on over to TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first Care Of order. T-A-K-E-C-A-R-E-O-F.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first Care Of order. We love having Care Of as a sponsor of this podcast, and we know you're going to love it too. So head on over to TakeCareOf.com and enter code CREEP50 for 50% off your first order. Y'all, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So whether you've been in therapy for a while or you're thinking about maybe trying some therapy, BetterHelp might just be for you. And by might, I mean it is. I think it's so easy to be there for everyone else and it's hard to show up for yourself. So I really am trying to focus on what helps me. Like what's giving me anxiety? What can I conquer or complete to help me with my anxiety? And that's something you can talk to your therapist at BetterHelp about and they can help you focus on you, focus on your mental health, make yourself a priority. I mean, truly, it's all about finding that balance in your life. And BetterHelp helps you find that balance because it's entirely online. It's designed to be flexible, convenient, so that you can fit it in your schedule and it not be an added stressor for you. It be there to actually help you. You fill out a brief questionnaire and that helps you get matched with a licensed therapist. Have no fear though, if you and that therapist don't jive, it's okay. You can switch therapist at any time for no additional charge. That for me is huge because that is my biggest fear about therapy is not jiving with a therapist and then feeling stuck. Right? I don't like confrontation or letting someone down or anything like that. And again, I would not take care of me because I didn't want to hurt their feelings, but with better help, it's not like that. You have control. And how Carrie mentioned that it's completely online, that helps break down barriers because if I'm like, I have to put on a bra, well, no, you don't, so you can do it. Or like, oh, I would go to therapy, but I'd have to spend gas. Nope, don't have to. You know, so it helps with that. And even just the fact that it's so flexible with your schedule for taking off of work, well, you may only need an hour or 45 minutes instead of two hours off of work because you don't have to drive there, wait in the waiting room, be seen, then go back to work. You can just take that hour out of your day for the therapy and not all of the stuff getting there. So if you want to help yourself find more balance, go to betterhelp.com slash APC and you're going to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash APC for 10% off your first month. Betterhelp.com slash APC. All right, well, buckle your butt in because we going way back in time, like 1590s, okay? And I'm going to talk about a lady who was more than just a woman. She was a witch, or was she? The lady I'm talking about is Agnes Sampson of Scotland. 
She was well known in the village as the wise wife of Keith because she was a healer and a midwife. Keith was the village she was from, not her hubby. She was widowed and was doing whatever she could to support her kids. So she used herbs and prayer to help cure her patients and ease their pain during labor. Now, she was also known to be kind of psychic, where like if she messed up a prayer or something like an incantation, she would be like, oh, you won't die because I messed up. The spirits are telling her that she messed up because you're going to die. That kind of thing. Like, not like, oh, my bad. Anyway, like I said, she was well known and lots of people used her services from the poor to the wealthy. However, Agnes knew that she couldn't really make one wrong move because if she did, that could be fuel for those who were scared of her and stuff like that. Because by this time, witchcraft was well known and talked about and like people started accusing, you know, someone of a witch kind of to strike down their enemy. Because, you know, people are scared of what they don't understand. So if you said someone was a witch, they couldn't be trusted, you know. And so it could potentially end her life. So I don't know how she did what she did on the daily with just like one false accusation away from death. Even though those same people all used her services and shit. We all know how petty people can be and hypocritical. But things were going okay for Agnes until her name was uttered by a teenage maid named Galus Duncan. If that name sounds familiar to you, like I know Tiff should recognize it, it's because that's the name of a character in Outlander. So that was based on a real life person, but you know, like the author took liberties and all the things. She was accused of being a witch by her employer. Because he was like, uh, she's a servant girl, and how does she know all about this medicinal remedies, and how is she so good at curing all the sickness? Like, she couldn't be that smart, because she's just a servant girl. Like, one, she's lower class. Two, she's a woman. You know, that kind of shit. Because apparently men thought women couldn't think for themselves, so they would have to have made a deal with the devil to have any sort of capability. Galus was arrested in 1589 and began being tortured mercilessly. One of the torture devices they used was called pillywinks, which is also known as a thumbscrew. So it's made of three metal bars. The middle bar contained threads for the screw. So the person had to place their thumbs or fingers in between those bars. And the person torturing, you know, I mean, interrogating, would slowly turn the screw to cause the bars to squeeze that person's fingers or thumbs. Oh my God, that sounds terrible. Right? Galus finally gave in and confessed that she was a witch. And then she named some other people who were as well. And Agnes Sampson was one of those she named. Galus was then executed. And this was the start of the North Berwick witch trials. This is giving me very Scientology vibes where it's like, tell us all your innermost, deepest, darkest secrets while you're like holding these cans. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then you're like... I don't have any. They're like, yes, you do. Right. You know, it's like, of course, the people are going to confess to things when you're torturing them. Yeah. And there's a reason all of this got so big. And that was because King James the Sixth. 
he was married to Anne of Denmark by proxy in 1589. So, you know, they weren't even together at that point. So Anne had to travel to her new hubby and her new home. But the three times she tried to sail to her new life, there were storms or issues with the boat. So she had to stop off in Norway and then send word to her, you know, her boo about her absence. So King James was like, oh, okay, no worries. I'll come to you in Norway, rescue you and all the things. But he also faced issues from storms and treacherous conditions. But he did make it to Norway and they got married in person. However, all of Anne's peeps were like, oh shit, this was by the hand of witches and they were trying to ruin y'all's relationship and doom the kingdom and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And James bought into this 100. And he had heard about some witch trials in Copenhagen. So he was like, oh yeah, when we get back to our kingdom, we're going to get into all the evilness that's hiding in our own land. And so he did just that. So King James VI rounded up all the people Galus had accused of being fellow witches, and he was going to be very hands-on with this investigation. And most people think it's because he was trying to establish himself as, you know, a godly man who had a strong arm against evil. And so this was his chance to really make a name for himself. Well, Agnes was arrested and taken to face the king and his council, charged with more than 50 counts of witchcraft. Agnes refused to confess to practicing witchcraft and denied every allegation against her. So, of course, little King James was like, oh, no, you don't, and threw her in the dungeon and was like, torture her ASAP. She's not going to get the best of me. She's going to submit and she's going to confess and torture her. They did. Nothing more to show you're a godly leader than torture. Right. Agnes was placed in a device called the witch's bridle, which was basically a muzzle made of iron and fastened around the head of the victim. Now, there were some solid masks, like man in the iron mask kind of style, but most were just like the frames. What I can picture is like headgear, but it was more like circular, like it fit the dome of your head. Just think about headgear, how it's just like the frame of it. Whenever I was getting my facial today and I was like panicking because it was touching my eyes, I kept thinking, what about the man in the iron mask? (laughs) And then I thought about Jim Carrey when he was doing the Grinch and he like literally CIA people taught him how to handle torture because like the contacts hurt him so bad and it it took him so long to get in and out of the makeup. And I'm like, I'm literally sitting here for seven minutes and he sat there for like four hours (laughs) and I'm panicking. So there was this iron bit placed in the mouth and it had like four prongs or like spiked teeth on it. So two faced the cheeks and two faced the tongue. So it would hold the tongue like that. And if you moved your tongue, tried to speak, really tried to swallow, the sharp pieces would pierce your mouth. Oh my God. This is also known as the scold's bridle because it wasn't just used on witches. Apparently, if husbands thought their wives were mouthing off to them or, you know, scolding them or even gossip too much, so I would very much be in trouble, they could put this torture device on them and some would even put a leash on it and parade their wives around town so everyone could ridicule them and know like the man was in charge and the wife was learning to submit to him. Agnes was tortured for days with this device and it was fixed to a wall so she had to stand there and suffer, like not even being able to sit or lay. I I, honestly, I don't know that I'm strong enough to do that. I know. And she didn't have food or anything for days because like she couldn't eat. She couldn't do anything, but she never gave in. 
They also shaved Agnes's entire body, searching for, you know, the devil's mark or the witch's mark. We've talked about it before where they think that's where, like, the devil has kissed or licked when they have submitted to him. I don't know why I'm saying submit so much, but basically, you know, they were like, yeah, we'll do your bidding if you help us out. And the mark is like a mole, a birthmark, any blemish they could find, that's what it would be. That's what I was just about to say. Meanwhile, it's whatever freaking year you just said. And it could be a simple like blood mole. And they're like, oh, never seen this word. That's got to be the mark of the beast or whatever they called it. Yeah. So they shaved her completely and they found a witch's mark on her privates. But so she's standing there completely shaven, like her head shaved, everything in that mask for days. How humiliating. So this was, like Carrie said, the ultimate humiliation, especially because she was an older woman. However, this just angered the guards that she wasn't confessing. She wasn't doing anything. So they used a garrote on her. So they fixed a rope around her neck and started tightening it slowly. And after an hour of that torture, Agnes finally confessed to being a witch. Also, not me only knowing what a garage is because of JonBenet Ramsey case. Same, girl, same. So Agnes confessed that basically when she was widowed, she didn't know what to do. And she just knew that she needed to provide for her children and was looking for any help she could get. So one night at supper time, there is this big black dog that came up to her and she knew it was a devil in another form. He offered to help her if she helped him. And so she did. She did it for her children. Agnes also confessed that she made charms for people by collecting bones and then powdering them. This would help them not feel pain in childbirth as much. She said that there was a man who came to see her while she was being held captive and he paid her to make a charm for him to use against the king. He wanted King James VI to not be able to have any heirs, basically to make him infertile. Agnes strung up a toad and used its poison to create the charm. Meanwhile, though, if the charm is something that they want, i.e. less pain in childbirth, they're cool with it. But it's not something that they want, so uh, it's a problem. Right. Another thing she confessed to was that she made a local woman a wax figure of her father-in-law because he had some bad behavior and shit. She also said that she was the one who caused the bad weather that was fatal to one of Mary, Queen of Scots' friends, like in her, you know, court Agnes said that she made a charm by taking a dead cat and attaching body parts to that cat and then submerging it into the water. But the thing that meant the most to King James VI was that she said that she was with a group of witches who used the same type of charm to affect the weather on the king's trip to Norway. After her confession, they continued strangling Agnes with the garrote, and then after she died, they burnt her body at the stake. But that wasn't the last of Agnes. Some say that she still haunts the Holyrood Palace, which is where she was kept and tortured in the dungeon. Her ghost is known as Bald Agnes because, you know, they shaved her whole body when they tortured her. And in the 1990s, there was this German diplomat, he was a young guy, who came running out of an office in the palace, just like he had saw a ghost. And well, they asked him what was wrong. And he said, uh, I saw a ghost. He said he saw a naked, transparent apparition floating towards him with outstretched arms. Like she was asking for help, but I mean, uh, she wasn't alive and that scared him. 
Another sighting was in 2014, and there was this maintenance worker who was working overtime to repair a lock. He said he looked down the corridor, and it was well lit, so it wasn't like, oh, I saw a dark shadow in the darkness. He saw a naked woman limping in his direction, and it was like each movement toward him was super slow, and it looked like she was in agonizing pain. He screamed when he saw this, and the woman disappeared in front of him into nothingness. And there's been other people who said that they've seen her in the halls, but like not really coming after them or anything like that, which just makes me sad that it's like residual energy, just that she was tortured so much there that her spirit still like manifest as that or something. Like, I don't know. I just feel so bad for Agnes. But I did hear that she did name some names, but it was all people who had already been killed. So she didn't like take anyone else down with her. Agnes was just a badass, but also we can't look at Galus and say that she was not a badass because she was fucking tortured. And like you said, when someone's torturing you for the information, you're just going to tell them what they want to know. Because if you say the truth, even though that's not what they want to know, it's not going to affect them. You have to tell them what they believe is the truth. So I just focused on Agnes, really, but from the late 1500s through the 1600s, thousands and thousands of people were accused of witchcraft and then killed. And many people believe it was just men who were scared of independent women like Agnes. Because if women could think for themselves, if they could provide for themselves, the men couldn't keep control. Or if somebody wanted their land or didn't like something they were doing, then just say that they're a witch and make them look, air quotes, crazy. Mm -hmm. And then there's your problem solved. Right. Agnes confessed to like more stuff, but it was written in a different language and they didn't translate all of it. So that's what I found. But I did see that they were like, you cured this person who had been walking on crutches all their life and now they're walking. Damn you. You know that you helped someone during childbirth, not pass away. Damn you. And it's like, okay. Meanwhile, she probably just used remedies that were passed down from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And it had nothing to do with witchcraft. They just didn't know it. And so they were like, oh, she's a witch. Yeah. Also on, and that's how we drink, M covered this. And I didn't see this anywhere, but they said it. And I was like, oh, that is, whoa. Midwifery? Mm -hmm. That was basically considered witchcraft. Because women were supposed to suffer during childbirth. Like, it's going to hurt because that's how it's supposed to be. It's natural. Because Eve forced Adam to eat the fruit. Like, legitimately, I was taught this in church, that the reason why women have menstrual cycles and childbirth is so painful is because Eve made Adam eat the apple. What the fuck? Uh Uh-huh. Wow. But it's so wild that these men would rather their wives die because, you know, a woman's just one in a million. Having their kid rather than having a midwife there to help the health of your wife and your baby. Mm-hmm. But it's like a midwife was considered witchcraft. But also, um, what kind of medicinal shit did you get, King James VI? You probably had the same shit she was doing, but it was a male. Well, but then conversely, though, if they did have a midwife and something bad happened, like, God forbid, the woman died or something happened to the baby, then it was all the midwife's fault, and it was because they were a witch, or it was because yeah. they put cast ill will or whatever on Mm -hmm. the person. And it's like, I don't know why anybody was a midwife. Because if I'm going to get blamed for shit, that's not my fault. Because I'm trying to help you have a baby in 1492. (laughs) Fuck all the way off. Right. You can do it by your damn self. 
Look, I never want to experience childbirth, but I damn sure don't want to experience childbirth back in the 1500s. Hell, I mean, it was like the 50s and 60s when they were starting to give them gas. It was like affecting things, you know, because they were mm-hmm. finally starting to figure out, oh, what are some, what's some pain techniques we can do? Because, yeah, this actually kind of hurts, I think. Yeah, they put my mom out for me. And she was like, if I had it to do over, I would have stayed up so I could see you. I'm like, well, one, you are way different than I am because <laughs> now I would be like, can you put me out? So I don't have to feel that. Yeah, you've come so far. You used to be like, you got to give me a shot. No, I'm not doing it. Now you're like, well, you can give me a shot and knock me out. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And do that. <laughs> I, know. I was telling people on Discord that I have come so far with shots. Like I used to be so scared. And one time in Houston, Carrie went with me and I mean, I was squeezing her hand and she said, what do you need? I was like, I need you to sing. And she just started singing. I don't even know what fucking song. And that phlebotomist was not having it. No, she wasn't. She was so over us. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm like, this is funny. And this is a good friend, okay? But yeah, that is a story of Agnes Sampson. Like, she was just doing a good thing for her, for other people, for her family. And then because they tortured this young girl. And of course, Agnes was known in the village. So of course, Galus is going to say her name. That's an easy name to say and kind of like verify, you know? Remember, um... When I was in high school and I got pulled over <laughs> and I had cigarettes on me and the cop asked me where I got them and I straight said it was Tiffany. Yeah. I crack under pressure. Yeah, you do. Meanwhile, though, Tiffany has like the most common name ever. He probably thought I was lying anyway. <laughs> but I definitely cracked under pressure. It's uh-huh. right. She forgave me. <laughs> Statute limitations is up on that, right? <laughs> she can't get in trouble for buying me cigarettes when I was... Uh, 17. <laughs> Hell, now you gotta be 19 to buy them. What? Yeah. Oh, shit. Well, before we get into Donna's story, we gotta talk about Gooder because they are back with the cutest freaking sunglasses. So, my sister was in town um, a couple weeks ago, and we went to my other sister's house to her pool. I got in the pool, and I was like, are those Gooder sunglasses? And she said, yeah, girl. I was like, so are these. She's like, what? And then she found out, you know, they were doing the podcast. She said, send me the link. And, like, I've sent it to, like, four family members. That's amazing. We love supportive peeps. And we love Gooder sunglasses because they are so awesome. They are 100% polarized, but they are only $25. They're meant to be active in. They don't slip. They don't bounce. They don't do any of that stuff so that you can go outside and do all the things that you love to do in the sun and have your eyes protected and still be able to see. But they're inexpensive enough that, you know, if some stuff goes down and you lose it, you're not breaking the bank. My main thing is that they are so lightweight and comfortable. Yes, and they really don't slide. I know. Oh my God, that is huge. Because, you know, I've always been one to buy a like an inexpensive pair of sunglasses to do like the beach, the pool, whatever, but they're just not that great. But these are 100% polarized, so they really are perfect for the beach day, going to a baseball game, going to play golf, going out on a boat. I don't know if you have one. <laughs> I was going to say, yes, you do that. You do that. Do you have a boat? <laughs> And seriously, the colors and the styles are amazing. And how she said, they start at only $25 for a great pair of sunglasses. And even better than how cute they all are is the names. You know, we talk about that, the extra mile, the little unique touches that a brand can do. If you make me laugh or you're like, oh my God, that's so something I would say, I will spend money. And then to have an excellent product It's like, okay, and now I'm going to repurchase. But also, Gooder offers 30-day free returns. So 100% satisfaction guaranteed. 
And not only that, the sunglasses come with a one-year warranty and Gooder is a 100% carbon neutral company. And the frames, you can search them by different styles. And then they have like regular sizes. They have the BFGs, which are wider frames with a little bit longer arms. That's what I had to get. They have LFGs, which are like the for the smaller frames. Look, one of these sunglasses, so cute. This is the name of it. It's literally Donna, short with benefits. Yes, I love that. I'm changing my Tinder profile. The colors are so vibrant and electric, or you can totally go a little calmer than that and do black and brown. They have something for everyone. And I went crazy. I've got some purple ones, some teal ones, but we got some black ones too. I love these sunglasses and it made me so happy to hear how many people in my family love these sunglasses too that didn't even know they were part of this podcast. So that tells you something right there. And again, when are you going to get 100% polarized sunglasses starting at $25? And there are a ton of pairs that are only $25. We're talking like $25, $35, $45 at the high end. So it's not like, oh, starting at $25 and they're really $125. No, the bulk of them are $25. So you can be a shady beach at the beach. To get in on these sunglasses, you've got to go to gooder.com slash creeps and use promo code creeps to get free shipping. And don't forget, it comes back with a 30-day money-back guarantee and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Oh, and the aviators like Carrie has, they don't pull on your hair. Yeah, they don't have the little nose piece, so it's perfect. Yes, I have a pair. So again, go to gooder, G-O-O-D-R dot com slash creeps with an S and use code creeps to get free shipping. And look, maybe you're like, I don't do all those sports activities. I don't go outside. I don't do all that. But I bet you go outside and you run some errands. I bet you go outside and have to drive your car. And these sunglasses are perfect even for that. So head on over to gooder.com slash creeps with an S and use promo code creeps with an S to get free shipping. All right, jumping into my story. We're going to talk about Stephen Williams. Stephen was born on September 22nd, 1963 in Fort Worth, Texas. When Stephen was younger, he joined the army and served in the Persian Gulf. He ended up getting married to a woman named April and they had three kids. And let me just tell you, Stephen is a medium-sized pizza that loves the extra-large pizzas. Okay, Stephen. But unfortunately, his first marriage to April failed and he became a single dad to the kids. While he was in the military, part of his job was dealing with computers and he loved computers. So he's like, this is some shit I want to do whenever I get out. So that's what he did. After he got out, he became a computer programmer and he lived in Iowa. Now he's doing the computer programmer thing, raising his kids, you know, doing the most, but he's like, man, I'm kind of lonely. Like it's, you know, it's time I find, I got to, I want to kind of find somebody, I think. Hey, I get that, Stephen. I need a companion too. Exactly. He eventually starts kind of going out to do like karaoke, that kind of thing. You really love to sing, love the karaoke life. Okay. That is where he meets Opal Skidmore. Now at the time, Opal was a single mom herself. Now, she was in her early 20s, I think, and he was in his 40s. There's like a 20-year difference. Just how I like it. Wait, is Steven a bad guy? (laughs) (laughs) I think technically their uh, age difference was like closer to like 15 or 16, but, you know, kind of in that area. Not that it matters, but just a little detail. So, Opal was married before, and she had two sons. Now, I've seen a couple of different variations of this story, so I'm just going to tell you both. 
Now, her previous marriage was very abusive, and that was consistent throughout the resources. But some of them said that when she decided to divorce her husband, that she actually had to give up custody of the kids. They didn't stay with the shit dad. They were given up as like wards of the state. Now, other variations of the story said that she had her kids, like she left this abusive marriage, she had custody of the kids, and she did everything she could. She had lots of financial issues, but she did everything she could to make sure that the kids had everything that they wanted or needed. You know, she would go without to make sure, you know, she wouldn't eat so that they could kind of thing. But she was going through a custody battle. But eventually... Opal and Steven met each other karaoke. Kind of hit it off, but like more of a friend. Like they weren't really, you know. They weren't islands in the stream yet. Yeah, that. But it was duet karaoke night and they had to duet together Uh when they met and all. So it was like, but I mean, really though, that duet though, our harmonies. Right? This is why I'm going to be alone. I can't karaoke. I'm not going to meet my Steven. Also, every time I say Steven or you say it, in my head I go, Stephen, like on uh, Laguna Beach. Yes. But eventually, Opal and Steven find their love for each other, and they decide to give it a go. Another aspect of the story that I saw was, remember how I said that she was like in that custody battle before, and or did she really have custody of her kids? So two kind of branches of the storyline was he helped her financially with the custody battle. But then the other side of the story was once they got married, he helped her get custody of them back like from the state because they were more financially stable. So either way, she got custody of the kids and her sons came and lived with them. Now, things were going really good. They had this huge blended family with together. I think they had like five kids. And Stephen ended up getting basically his dream job as a computer programmer in Indianapolis. So the family ended up moving there. And again, things were going really great. But Opal kind of started getting bored because she was essentially a stay-at-home mom. When she was a kid, her dad was a long-haul truck driver. And as a kid, that was some of Opal's fondest memories was being over the road with her dad. And it was like, damn, I want to be an over-the-road truck driver. What is with you and these truck driver stories? Have I done those recently? Yes. Oh. Judith Neely. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But here's the thing. Steven didn't like to travel. He was a homebody and she wants to go be out on the road. So it did cause a little bit of a rift. I don't think it was so much that she wanted a life outside the house and that she wanted a job. I think it was that she was going to be gone all the time and he liked to stay home. And oh, and by the way, she has to, you know, as she goes to get her CDL, she has to do all of the testing and all that, but she has to get practical hours in. Opal's like, I got this. Like, we can do this. I know exactly who I can do my practical hours with. And his name is Ricky King. But here's the thing about old Ricky. Ricky is her ex-boyfriend. Uh-uh. Nope, nope, nope. Yeah, and that's pretty freaking shitty. Yeah. And it was this ex-boyfriend that they had a long history of like an on and off again kind of thing. So it wasn't like, yeah, we dated 15 years ago before I was married and he's married and it's like, you know, we're just, I just got to get my hours. There's tons of other ways that she could do this. And she Mm -hmm. chose someone that she had had this on again, off again relationship with. That you're going to be in a small cab with. Hours, literally all day. Yeah. This drove a further wedge between them because Stephen wasn't comfortable with it. So while all this is going down, Stephen's daughter, one of his daughters, who's older at this point, and I don't really know, throughout this story, you really only know of one daughter. Like I heard, you know, I've seen that he had three, but there's really only one that we hear about. And she was older, at least over 18, living on her own, had a boyfriend, but the daughter and her boyfriend end up getting pregnant. 
And so they're like, dad, can I move home? Like, we can't afford this. Like, can you help us? And Stephen was doing really well as this computer programmer, like with his dream job. Like when he went to interview for this job, they flew him out and basically hired him on spot, like helped him with the move. You know, like this, Mm -hmm. this was like a, he landed a big deal. So dad, can we move home? We can't afford this. And he's like, absolutely come home. So the daughter and the boyfriend move in and Opal and her kids are there. And then somehow Opal is in contact with her ex-husband's current wife, whose name is Lisa or Linda. It kind of changed during the things. Okay. So we're going to go with Lisa throughout this story just to keep it coherent because there are a lot of names. So Lisa calls one day and says, this is getting really bad. I'm experiencing the same abuse that Opal did. Help me get out. And I, I did see that Lisa had one of the sons. So there's there's some custody things that I'm just not 100% sure on because it wasn't Lisa's son. It was Opal's son that was living with Lisa and the ex-husband. When Lisa calls and says, like, this is getting really bad, they offer to help. Stephen and Opal say, come live with us. Bring the kid. Come on. Like, the more the merrier. We want you safe. And Lisa fits right into the groove with the family. So she starts doing some stuff at the house to carry her weight because she's not able to financially contribute. So she's like, hey, let me do some of the cooking, the cleaning, help take care of the kids, all of this. Ugh, the things I hate to do. Well, the problem is that Opal hadn't been doing those things. She had been on and off the road with Ricky. And so there was a lot of tension, Opal and Steven, about matters of the house. Like, she's gone. He's doing all the things. There just was a lot of bickering. And not to mention the fact that she's over the road with her ex-boyfriend. And honestly, while Opal is gone with Ricky, Lisa and Steven get pretty close. I knew this was going to happen. Mm-mm-mm-mm. So after Lisa moves in, all the things, about two months later, Ricky's contract ends. So he and Opal have to come home because she can't do practical hours if his contract's up. Ricky starts staying in the house as well. Oh my gosh, that would give me so much anxiety being in that house. So now you have Opal and Steven like in the primary bedroom, daughter and son-in-law with their baby in one of the rooms, Opal's sons share a room, Ricky downstairs, Oh, and then you have Charles, a.k.a. Charlie, who's Opal's cousin, like a distant cousin, but a cousin that like comes in and out and stays too. Oh my God, how big is this house? Monstrous, it had to have been. Also, this reminds me of when my sister was alive and her and her new husband lived at their old house with her ex-husband and his new wife. That gives me all the anxiety. Mm -hmm. So like old mother Hubbard and she with all these kids and all these people happening in this house. Opal can't get her hours because Ricky's there, lost his contract, all the things. So they're all at home in this powder keg. And one day Stephen comes home and finds that Opal and Ricky are in the shower together. No, they were just conserving water. Yeah. And all of his fears come to fruition. So Stephen and Opal decide to have an open relationship. I almost said, are they poly? But they're not. Like, I think that they were open, but just not together. No, what I think is Opal wanted to be with Ricky, but Opal didn't want Stephen with anybody. She just wanted to be able to be with Ricky. So when Stephen says, let's just do an open marriage, she's like, absolutely, I can have my cake and eat it too. I'm down. That was until she started noticing that Stephen and Lisa were getting very close. And now it became a problem. Oh. Because they're not polyamorous. They're not even in an open relationship. She just wanted to be able to cheat. Uh Uh-huh. 
Opal really does take issue with Steven and Lisa having an affair, but it's also like, you signed up for this. You you wanted this. You said open relationship so you could be with Steven and Ricky. So Steven and Opal start having more and more arguments. But again, she wants to keep Ricky. She just doesn't want to share Steven with Lisa. Well, in 2014, Opal decides that, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done. I don't like you being with Lisa. We're arguing all the time. I want a divorce. So she takes her kids and she heads back to Oklahoma where she has some family. Well, Stephen spirals into a really bad depression after this because he has a history of depression. And I mean, it gets to the point where it's, it's really bad, like not getting out of bed because he misses Opal. He calls her and he's like, look, let's work this out. Like, come home. And she's like, fine, I'll come home. And on her way home, she gets into a car accident. And because of this back injury, she gets placed in a wheelchair temporarily. Now, note though, she's not paralyzed. She just has pain and all the things. And so she's just in in and out of the wheelchair. She's not like, she didn't have like a spinal cord injury that she's a permanent wheelchair user. They're back together, but Ricky's still in the picture. Ricky is her caregiver. Are you fucking kidding me? Nope. Now, Lisa is still at the house. So all of that is still brewing. Yeah, what the hell? Like nothing has changed other than she just like came back home with all the same setup, with all the same issues, with all the same arguments, and all the same people. Right. So in 2015, Opal's son had a choir performance. Everybody was like getting up, ready to leave, and Stephen's like, I don't want to go. And she's like, bitch, you're going. And he's like, I go to all of his performances. I just want to lay low tonight. Like, I'm not going. And it's a huge fight because he wanted to stay home with Lisa. Oh, my God. This story gives me so much anxiety. Well, and it's like, if you have an open relationship, he should be able to stay home with his other girlfriend. But then I also see her side of like, this is our kid because it is his kid, too. You signed up Mm -hmm. for this. You knew you were getting a single mom. Like, come on. But I also see his like, fuck, I go to every single one of them. You know? Yeah. My parents didn't come to every single one of my performances ever, mainly because it cost money to get in and they couldn't (laughs) afford to go every time. So I totally see both sides of that. Yeah. But it caused a huge fight. I just don't understand their dynamic. Like, for him to be so depressed with Opal not in the picture, but yet still with Lisa. They, they've definitely both had a lot of trauma from their past that I think Opal was so used to trauma and so used to volatile situations. Like, one of the shows I was watching about this had, um, like, a psychiatrist and all this on there. And he, he basically said, like, when you've been in a relationship that has, like, that level of abuse and all you run on adrenaline all the time in these relationships. And so when you go into a relationship that doesn't have that level of trauma and that constant living on edge, because you don't know if air quotes around what you do is going to set them off, even though it's not you doing it, Mm -hmm. that sometimes people get bored and they're like, something's missing from this new relationship. It doesn't have that adrenaline component to where you're like constantly in that like go, go, go mode. Yeah. And so they get bored. And so they create situations that cause problems and drama in the relationship to get that adrenaline that they feel like is supposed to be there in a relationship because it's all they know. You know. Do you feel seen? I, yeah. When you were saying that, I was like, I do like the drama and the messiness sometimes. 
And I will cause it to have some issues. Like, yeah, just I mean, like, not oh, all... gotta do some drama. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I haven't heard from you in three minutes. You Do you hate me now? Uh-huh. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I am like that, too. You have done that before, yes. Yes. I, I mean, mean, I have, too. <laughs> I do have attachment disorders. Remember that one guy that I didn't even really like him, but he called me one time, and I was like, something about that. Like, and I made uh, I made a problem so we could fight about it. Yes. Oh, I remember this. And I was like... I have to walk away because I my stomach hurts. <laughs> and you were living for it. I sure was. For you, though, it wasn't a real fight. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like a real argument. It was like fun. You know, we've kind of touched on like Colby had such a hard, had a hard relationship before me. And I think even that there's you check in more often. Like, are you okay? Like, are yeah. you mad? Are you this? Are you are you good? Like, are we good? Are we I'm happy. You're happy. We're everything because you're so used to this high intensity relationship that it's like, What's normal feels abnormal because you don't know any better. Yeah. And we don't know what Stephen's first marriage was like or what any of his other relationships have been like. So he could have had a little bit of that too. After this huge fight about going to the son's program or not, Stephen stopped showing up to work. His family noticed like, where the fuck is he? You know, son-in-law goes to see him at work and he's not there. And they're like, wait, where is he? Didn't answer his daughter's text messages. He has a sleep apnea machine, but that's at home and he's not at home. He takes like high blood pressure medicine. That's at home. He's not at home. And so Opal's like, oh shit, something's wrong. So she calls to do a missing persons report. Again, the timelines and some of the details of this story are pretty fuzzy. The last time he was seen was on Wednesday, but she didn't report him missing until Sunday. But then I'm also like, why didn't the daughter report him missing? But either way, it was, it was days. When Opal is telling police that Stephen's missing, she's like, he has been pretty abusive. Like, apparently, they kind of got into, like, a physical altercation. And she's like, he's been really depressed. Like, I'm scared he may have tried to hurt himself, maybe die by suicide, you know, some self-harm or something. Like, I'm really kind of worried about him. He has this history of depression, yada, yada, yada. But then she also was like, but he could have left with Lisa. Oh, so Lisa's not there either? Okay, that is a really weird part of the timeline to me because, yeah, she tells police, like, he could be gone with Lisa. So police are, like, trying to figure out, like, what happened to him and all that. I'm kind of jumping around right here. But eventually, though, they do find Lisa and she is back with the ex-husband. What? So he was going to stay home to be with Lisa. But then, like, a couple days later, he's missing and Lisa's gone and she's back with that. Like, that that part of the timeline is very bizarre to me. But we're just going to... Put a pin in that because we never get that answer. But Opal says that the last time she saw Stephen, they, they being her, Stephen, Charlie, and Ricky had all gone out to eat to discuss like the issues that she was having with their marriage as far as like the air quotes around the polyamorous marriage slash open marriage that they had and that Charles and Ricky were there for moral support for her. That doesn't seem right. Right. And basically, Opal told him, like, look, I, I'm, I can't handle Lisa. Like, I don't, I don't want this anymore. Like, I don't want you to be with her anymore. And they got in an argument, and Stephen left in his van. So the police, of course, started missing persons report, put out a, like, a be on the lookout, a bolo for his van to be like, hey, if you see this guy, let us know. About a week later, on March 17, 2015, they find Stephen's van. Opal has gone back on the road with Ricky at this point. So, like, her husband's missing, but they're back on the road. But they're, like, looking for him on the road. Okay. 
But his van is found at this area that was kind of a dumping ground, but it was a, a place where, where people who were homeless would camp, and it's right on the banks of the White River. So when they find the van, they, of course, are trying to look around, see what's going on. Opal gives them permission to open the van, and in it, they find some blood. Oh, shit. And Opal's like, don't worry, I cut my knee. And they're like, mm, that's a lot of blood for a cut on the knee. Did you ginsu that thing? Oh, my God. <laughs> Because his van was found by this river, you know, they're they're doing all the looking. They ended up using this boat that had sonar to like, okay, let's check the waters. Like she said, maybe he was suicidal. Did he jump off? Because they had gotten report of a man jumping off the bridge kind of around the location of this van. So they're like, okay, was that really him? What is that even a real report? Like, you know, some things are kind of pointing towards this isn't good. So two days after police found Stephen's van, they end up finding a rolled up piece of carpet in the river. They pull out the carpet and inside they find Stephen Williams. Oh gosh. So the police call Opal and like, you need to come back. Because remember, she and Ricky are on a trucking job. That They were like looking for him along the way because they're like, maybe he followed Lisa back. Mm-hmm. And Stephen was only 52 years old. Oh gosh. The autopsy showed that his death was actually pretty violent and that there was literally no way he died by suicide. Stephen had stab wounds in his chest, his neck, and his throat was cut. Oh my gosh. So the police bring Opal in for questioning. Now, at some point, they had interviewed her sons. I saw one thing where they actually went to the son's school to ask them some questions. And the sons who, again, I'm not even really sure about their age because Opal and Steven had been married for like 10 or 15 years at this point. So the kids, like some stuff was like, oh, we interviewed their kids at school and it made it seem like the kids were like in third grade, but pretty sure they're in high school. Some of the stories I can't figure out, but the kids said that they were at a restaurant and they heard the adults saying that they were leaving to quote, take care of business. And that that was the last day that anybody had seen Stephen alive. Mm. So police were like, makes sense. Uh-huh, okay. sounds sketchy. So the police bring Opal back in for questioning after they find Stephen's body. And at first, you know, they're like, okay, tell me what you know kind of thing. Because the, the detective is like, presents it like, I know all the things, so you may as well just tell me. Mm-hmm. And she changes her story. She says that the kids and Ricky and Charlie and Steven and her all went to this restaurant and that Opal went and dropped the kids off at a relative's house and that she did know that Ricky and Charlie said that they were going to take care of business. But like, she didn't really know what they were going to do. And she really didn't know how bad it was going to be. But like, they did tell her that. But you know, she got to minimize. Exactly. But she's like, I promise I didn't know what they were going to do. And I told Ricky, don't do anything stupid. Like, she's fucking I Love Lucy. Oh, my gosh. Only it's, that's opposite. But you get the point. <laughs> and she did say, yeah, and you know, Charlie did call me and say it's done. But, like, I really didn't know what they were going to do. Oh, my gosh. And you didn't happen to mention this when you said he could have died by suicide. Right. You were throwing out possibilities, but not that one. Right. So she starts talking. They pick up Ricky and Charles. They start talking. And basically, this is what happened. Opal tells them that Stephen is abusing her. By the by, he wasn't. There's literally zero evidence that he was abusive. Zero. 
She also says that he has a large sum of life insurance. Charlie is more keen on the life insurance aspect. And, you know, yeah, she's getting abused, so, like, let's support her. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ricky really has feelings for her and is like, I gotta protect her. All you motherfuckers live there. Like, Charlie was kind of in and out. But, like, Ricky, you lived there. You would know if she was being abused. Yeah. Ricky and Charlie tell Stephen, Opal's fallen or something. She needs our help, so let's go. And he's like, okay, like, what's wrong? Who do we need to call? Like, where are we going? You know, blah, 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 blah. So he goes with them and at some point one of them pulls out a knife and he's like oh, whoa hold up what's happening like i thought you said opal needed us like he's kind of starting to put this these pieces together that he's in danger and he's literally pleading for his life when they start stabbing him but they stabbed him a couple of times and he hadn't died he's like down and he's hurt obviously he's stabbed but he hasn't died I don't know if maybe the guys get have second thoughts. I don't I don't know. But they end up calling Opal. Put Steven on speakerphone, call Opal. Steven is on the phone with Opal, begging for his life. Please tell them to stop this. Please help me. And Opal literally says, You shouldn't have been sleeping with another woman and tells them, do it. Oh my God. And Charlie slits Steven's throat. Oh my gosh. Here's the thing, though. So, Stephen went from literally begging to live to begging to die because he was in such agony from them using a dull knife to stab him. Oh, my God. Also, they killed him with his love. Like, they used Opal to lure him out there. Yes. Ugh. So, this ended up not going to court because they all confessed and they didn't back out of their confessions. They were all arrested and charged with first-degree murder, but Opal says that she's innocent and that she just pled guilty because she was scared and she didn't know what to do and all the things. And she ended up getting sentenced to 50 years in prison. Charles Lehman is his name, Charlie. He was sentenced to 55 years in prison. And then Ricky King took a plea and was sentenced to 45 years in prison. And this was on an episode of Snapped, um, season 25, episode 5, and it actually has Opal on there talking about it. And then it was on an episode of Fatal Vows, season 6, episode 13. Opal is in jail at the Indiana Women's Prison in in Indianapolis. Um, She's eligible for parole in like 2051 or something. And then Ricky is at the Wabash Valley Level 3 Correctional Facility. And Charlie, who was 23 when he was convicted, by the way. Oh, my God. Um, I forget how old Ricky... Ricky was older than her. Like, he was... I think he was even older than um, Steven. But Charlie was like 19, maybe 20 when this all happened. Because he was 23 when he got sent to prison. Wow. And he's at the Wabash Valley Level 4 facility but like I, I had to say that too because every time I hear Wabash like that's on all of those lockups like oh. that's a that's a really common facility that they were in so I'm like you know what have you seen them in the background or something I know Opal orchestrated this whole thing because she was selfish she literally wanted her cake and eat it too she wanted to be with Steven but she wanted to be with Ricky but Steven couldn't have Lisa right or anyone. It didn't matter yeah, if it was Lisa. Right. But I do think she had like an extra jealousy for Lisa. Well, because it was her ex's ex. Can an open relationship work? It can. I think a polyamorous relationship can work more than an open relationship. Yeah. But it's it's few and far between that it works. 
both parties have to really agree on it. I feel like she wanted it, so he was like... But no, because I think he... According to his daughter on, on the fatal vows... Because the daughter's interviewed on both of them, too. She said that he's the one that broached it with her. Mm. It was his idea. But I think it's because he was like, let me just do this for you so that I can keep you. Yeah. But you've talked to so many people, met on like on Tinder and stuff like that, that are in open marriages. And it's always bad. Yeah. It is literally always bad. Like, it starts out fine. And then, yeah, it's, I, I couldn't be in an open relationship. Fuck no. I'm not that jealous of a person. But it's... It just comes down to my love language is like quality time and touch. Mm-hmm. And if you're not spending quality time with me because you're spending quality time with someone else, I'm not getting my whole love tank filled. Yeah, no, I absolutely could not do it. I'm far too jealous. Colby is too, so it works out. Oh, absolutely. Like, not in the toxic, like, he sees me talking to somebody, he gets mad. But, like, there's no shot in hell. The thought of him even talking to someone romantically. Mm -hmm. Not, I trust him implicitly. Like, if he's just, somebody texts him or he's talking to somebody at work. Like, But I'm saying, like... In an inappropriate way. Oh, my God. Yeah. But I have been lucky in that I've never had that trust broken in a relationship. You know, because I didn't really ever have them before. That's why I am able to trust him so much. But, I mean, he trusts me even though he's had that broken in relationships before, too. But, you know, that level of trust comes with security. And, you know, there's so many things that go with that. And mm-hmm. for me, once it's broken, it's it's done. If, if you are able to stay in a relationship after someone's had an affair, like, I'm so happy for you. I could not do it. Right. And I do believe it's possible. People can do it and work through it and get past it. That ain't me. Right. Like, you wouldn't do the dishes and I'd be pissed. I'd be like, you didn't do the dishes and you had an affair. Right. Yeah. I could never trust them. I would become the toxic person mm-hmm. and the overbearing one and it would be bad. Yeah. because And you know, some people just gonna cheat. Look, Donna's in all these groups that are like, are we dating the same guy? And people, if they want to cheat, they're going to cheat. Because they can be supermodels. They could be fucking volunteer of the world people. You know, like somebody who's insecure and that's why they cheat. It doesn't matter. They're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And then some people just are just cheaters. It's not because they're insecure about something. They just are just cheaters. And they're it's not going to change. And it doesn't matter who you are. It matters that that's who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, we've also had men tell us before they're married and they're cheating on them. And it's like, well, what's going on in your marriage that's making you do that? And they're like, nothing. nothing. Everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. Love her. She's great. Wouldn't want a life without her. Yeah. But you're cheating on her. Yeah. Like, you're talking to me about this? What? Which is why I have trust issues. Because I've seen the other side. Yeah. And look, have we all done shit we shouldn't have done? Absolutely. So no shade if you've mm-hmm. ever been in those situations because everybody has. Yeah. Well, I guess not everyone, but like well, you most the point. people. Yes. And hell, probably everybody had not even realized it. True. Very true. There's a, um, a country song by a singer named Cam. Love her. And it's called Diane. Oh my God. I love that song. Love that song. But basically it's like Cam the singer is writing the song to diane who's the wife and she's like like diane i promise i didn't know like can we meet can we talk about this like i'm so sorry i didn't see a wedding ring like i would have noticed it like i'm so sorry it's it's such a good song so i love that song too but i (laughs) i had to tell cheyenne this i was like this is random and like you would never know this about me but there's a song called Diane, and randomly I was singing Cheyenne, and I was like, I swear I don't want your husband. I mean, he is a firefighter, though, but <laughs> I swear I don't. <laughs> but I was like, why do I do that? Like, I don't know. I mean, it rhymed, so yeah. whatever. But I was like, I have to tell you this. That's my toxic trait. 
means nothing to you, would not affect your day. But it's like, so I have to tell you this random thing that happened to me. That is a big fact. (laughs) Well, hopefully y'all enjoyed this episode. Thank y'all so much for listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, review, all the things. And remember, creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.